Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon to you and yours, and welcome on a Wednesday, February 1st, the year 2023. I sure hope that groundhog doesn't see his shadow tomorrow, and we can get some spring-like temperatures in here, because today is just downright nasty. It is cold. It is overcast. uh, So it's about 46 degrees. Feels like it's 40. It's just... And for the second time... But this time he says it's for good. Tom Brady ends his 23-year NFL career. With that in mind, we've got a litany of guests coming your way today as my main man James Mesh in that uh, highly valued producer's chair inside the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons, keeping this show running and, and executing smoothly. It's right there on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can also turn us on your television set as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. There may have been a better regular season quarterback. There may have even been a a better postseason quarterback. But overall, Tom Brady's numbers don't lie. Took his teams to 10 Super Bowls in which he won seven Took his team to 14 conference championship games, of which he won 10. His overall record, 251 wins, 72 losses. And Tom Brady today said that he is retiring from football for good. For good. Uh, His decision came today on social media saying he wouldn't change a thing about his career. It's quite um, glaring that he announced he was retiring on February 1st of 2022 before changing his mind 40 days later and returning to play this past season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I firmly believe it got to the point where Tom Brady said, you know what? I don't feel like going and working out today. I don't feel like doing that. I, you know, I've got all the money in the world that I need and no question. His divorce played a role in this because of his kids. He wanted to be near them. So Brady informed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of his decision at 6 a.m. Eastern time this morning, uh, five o'clock our time. Uh, the Buccaneers tweeted their appreciation to Brady later today, along with a hashtag thank you, Tom, caption. So number 12 is retired. Uh, he won six Super Bowls with the New England Patriots and one with the Bucs. He ends his career 
as the NFL's leader in career passing yards, 89,214. Career touchdown passes, 649. The three-time league MVP passed for 4,694 yards at the third most this season in the NFL and 25 touchdowns this past season, his third with Tampa by the Bay. Um, yep. So now he can immediately begin working as an analyst for Fox Sports, which signed him to a 10-year, $375 million contract this past summer. He also launched a Brady brand clothing line a year ago, has a successful health and wellness brand called TB12 Sports, and founded his own production company, 199 Productions. So... For the guy that was picked 199th in the 2000 draft by the New England Patriots behind six other quarterbacks, three kickers, and a punter, Tom Brady goes down as the greatest of all time. You just never know. You remember he played in one game as a rookie and completed one of three passes for six yards. The next year, it all changed. It all changed, and the greatest career took off. So Tom Brady uh, retiring for good from the NFL. Um, LSU's men's basketball team opens the month of February tonight on the road. They take on the Missouri Tigers. The tip is at 8.05 p.m. Central Time, televised on the SEC Network. Um. This basketball team's not very good right now. They don't have a lot of confidence. They don't have a lot of um, positive things from their hard work. And they are where they are. And they lost a very tough one against Texas Tech in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. And now they have to take on one of the surprising teams in the SEC in Missouri. Um, Missouri... Just beat 12th-ranked Iowa State in that Big 12 challenge. And they're a good club. They get up and down the floor, and they shoot it quickly. They're a fun, fun team to watch. So with that in mind, John Brady will join us at around 2.30 this afternoon from Columbia, Missouri, to preview the ball game. We'll have a lot of talk about um, the Sean Payton situation. Ross Jackson will go join us in about five, six, seven minutes uh, and share his thoughts. Did the, did the Saints cave in too quickly? Did they get enough compensation for a team that needed to make a splash hire at the head coaching position? And with several play, uh, key players out of the equation, it looked like Sean Payton was their last resort, and maybe, just maybe, the Saints could have gotten a little bit more. Well, we'll talk to Ross Jackson in hour number one, and we'll talk to Chris Dunnels in hour number two about that. Now, what do the Saints do with this draft, and where do they find themselves a quarterback? And then Mike Huguenin will join us, as he always does, on Hump Day with Huguenin, and we'll, um, we'll go over all things in college sports. So uh, there you have that. Um, so LSU tonight versus Missouri. LSU's women tomorrow versus Georgia. And we'll see if Kim Mulkey and her group can keep it going. Um, look, no, no additions 
to date for LSU football as far as the first day of this signing class. Um, LSU already signed 25 high school prospects back in December and then added 11 transfers, uh, which ranks the total combination sixth in the nation. The class of transfers ranks number one, and its overall class is fourth in the nation. So you don't expect much. Is Jamel Howard from Chicago going to sign with LSU? Or is he going to sign with Wisconsin or Michigan or Illinois or Miami? We don't know. Um, Around 5.30 this afternoon, uh, he will make his choice. And we'll see. We'll see what happens along those lines. Um, Another target that, that I thought LSU really, really wanted that generated a lot of excitement was the freak of nature, the five-star athlete, Nichols Harbor, who defensive end, pass rusher, and an unbelievable track star with, with Olympic-type speed. He was the top uncommitted prospect in the 2023 class. Uh, he has signed with South Carolina today. He did not even visit LSU, so LSU really had no no shot on that one. So a very quiet day for LSU today. They got all their work done earlier. They've got a lot of people in already taking classes and getting ready for spring ball, and spring ball will be a true test for Brian Kelly to see if he can continue to keep two quarterbacks on his roster. LeBron James simply does it all. He moved within striking distance of the NBA's all-time scoring title last night uh, while passing a pair of point guard greats on the career assist chart. LeBron entered last night needing 117 points to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's all-time scoring leader. He's that much closer after a 28-point effort in a 129-123 win over the New York Knicks in overtime. He now trails Jabbar by 89. He has another game, and then Saturday, he's in the Smoothie King Center. So, LeBron, let's get a couple of 40-pointers, and let's break the record in New Orleans. Hmm. James secured his first triple-double of the season, adding 10 rebounds and 10 and 11 assists. He is now the first NBA player to record a triple-double in his 20th season. Now, LeBron's also climbing the all-time assist leaderboard. He started Tuesday's game needing nine assists to pass both Mark Jackson and Steve Nash to move into fourth all-time. And he did so along those lines. So now he is in fourth. Only John Stockton, Jason Kidd, and Chris Paul have more assists than LeBron James. And John, James is the only non-point guard to crack the top 20. He's a great player. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So there's your headlines of the day. We'll take our first break of the day. When we come back, uh, we'll talk some NFL football. We'll get the latest uh, read of the Sean Payton trade to the Denver Broncos when Ross Jackson joins us after this first time out of the day. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. You could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab. And you're on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app. Win money. It's just that simple. And it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back at 17 minutes after the hour, um, uh, uh, I'm getting all kinds of feedback from this Saints Denver, Sean Payton compensation. And so I wanted to go to my good friend um, and friend of the show, Ross Jackson, uh, who does so many things involving uh, the Saints. There are too many long, uh, there are too many to get into. Our interview would be over. But, Ross, it's been a while, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, bud. Doing great. Glad to be back here with you. Yeah, it's a little bit of a little bit of a lengthy uh lengthy brochure at the moment but uh <laughs> always good. glad to be here with you buddy you're always locked on i'll just put it that way okay yeah, there you go there you go <laughs> there you go all right so so many people are up in arms over the compensation the saints got for sean payton what is ross jackson's view of the trade between the coach and the team yeah look i think the fact that the new orleans saints got a first round pick out of this trade is uh, it, I mean, that's a positive thing for them, and that's, that deserves a good grade. Like, I personally grade this one probably as an A for the Saints because you took a third-round pick, turned it into – you took a third-round pick for next year, turned it into a second-round pick, so you recouped your second-round pick that you gave up to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in, in last year's draft in order to get that extra first-round pick. And then you recoup that same first-round pick that you gave up for a guy who was an asset that was never going to be a part of your team and was not going to be a part of your team's future – uh, moving forward in Sean Payton. And that's not a slight at Sean Payton. It's just that Sean Payton left the New Orleans Saints, but they were still able to recoup, uh, you know, some valuable assets in, in moving them. And I think the reason why some people are disappointed about the, the compensation is because they're comparing it to the John Gruden compensation of 20 years ago, two first-round right. picks, two second-round picks. But the big difference here is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were prying John Gruden out of Oakland while actively while he was actively engaged as their head coach. That's not the case for the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton had already left. He had moved on. He had moved away, or not moved away, but he had stepped away from the New Orleans Saints for the year doing television, and then was coming back to, coming back to coaching effectively on an open market, but because of the logistics of contract terms, the Saints were able to get compensation for it. And so the fact that they walked out with more than what the Arizona Cardinals got when Bruce Arians went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just a few years ago is a big-time win for them. So I think we're just comparing it oftentimes to the wrong compensation when really what we should be looking at is that the Saints could have ended up in an Arizona Cardinal situation where they're getting a fourth-round selection for their quarterback. All right. Ross Jackson with us. Thanks for uh, clearing that up. Um, should Saints fans be concerned about coaches from this staff being uh, plucked by Sean Payton? Do you think that's um, an inevitability? Yeah, I mean, most certainly. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll find out the guys that Sean Payton really, really likes. You know, I know for a fact, you know, he really, really likes Ryan Nielsen, for instance, but Ryan Nielsen's got his job. He's headed over to the Atlanta Falcons. 
So you don't have to worry as much about that one. But there are a couple of other guys like Ryan. Oh, excuse me. Uh, uh, coach, uh, quarterback coach, as well as pass game coordinator, Ronald Curry. Coach RC is somebody that I know, you know, Sean Payton absolutely loves. Uh, RC got, you know, he's here at the senior bowl. I'm at the senior bowl right now. And he's here at the okay. senior bowl, you know, working as an offensive coordinator for the national team. Did an interview with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as offensive coordinator. Uh, Sean Payton needs a guy that can come in, knows the system, install it, and is able to help to run it. RC could be that guy, but there's other folks that are already out there on the open market that Sean Payton knows that he likes, Joe Lombardi, yeah. Coach C.J. Johnson. There's some of those guys that are definitely out there uh, that would give him an opportunity to be able to even find those guys that are familiar with his system without having to worry about poaching anything from the New Orleans Saints. I will say this, though. One of the things that Mickey Loomis told us in his end-of-season presser is that they're not going to allow any lateral moves from their coaching staff to Sean Payton's coaching staff. That those are ones that they would step in, that they would step in on. However, if there are advancements available for potential players, the Saints would never step in the way of that, and in most cases, they wouldn't be able to anyway. Hmm. Very good. Ross Jackson with us. So the Saints have the 29th pick overall, the 40th, the 71st, uh, and that's just through the first three rounds. Where do the Saints get a quarterback? Uh, I think you got to get one in the first two rounds. I mean, history shows you over the course of the past 10 years, there have been 30 first-round quarterbacks selected. Those first-round quarterbacks, about 15 of them, you would call them guys that are the team's quarterback, right? Like, they're, they're the starting quarterback. They got their guy in those rounds. Eight okay. have been selected in the second round. Four of those guys are on rosters as starting quarterbacks. 75 in the last 10 years have been selected in the third round or later. One of them is a starting quarterback in the NFL on a Dak Prescott. And so I think, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to shoot for a quarterback, you have to do it in the first two rounds and you've got to be able to go out there and get a guy that makes sense for your system. And so there's not a lot of those guys because the ones that are going to be gone in the first round are ones that are going to be taken early. So you're looking for a guy that might be available in the second round that you can potentially draft in the late first or early second. There's a couple of those names out there. Hendon Hooker is probably the biggest one, depending upon how his medicals check out. But that's where I think you got to go at either 29 or 40, or you package those two together to move up and grab somebody else, like an Anthony Richardson in the middle of the draft. But, you know, if you're going to take a swing at quarterback, you've got to do it in the first two rounds, is what the recent history tells us. What would you venture to say? I, I kind of like the idea of putting 29 and 40 together. You got to get a quarterback. It's plain as there's enough talent yeah. around. You just got to get a quarterback that can make some plays. So, um, what, what odds do you give the Saints of putting some deal together and, and moving up to pick out a target that they really like? Yeah, I think it depends on who, what, you know, what quarterback falls out of the top 10. Um, you know, you know, Bryce Young and CJ Shroud are going early, or at least we're confident about that. Uh, Will Levis, it depends on who you talk to. Anthony Richardson, it depends on who you talk to. And so if one of those two guys comes out of the top 10 and the Saints are, you know, looking for a quarterback at that point, they could do similar to what the Kansas City Chiefs did years ago in 2017 when they traded up from 20, I believe it was 25 up to 10, maybe it was 27 to 10. Uh, going from 29 to, you know, the top 15 would not be an impossible task for the Saints. It would probably cost them the 2024 first overall pick. But if you're going to make a move like that, you should be making the move for a quarterback. So as long as that's what you're doing, it's yeah. fine. And so uh, that's the way that I look at it is, you know, I could definitely see them packaging, you know, one or excuse me, 29, 40, and then next year's one to potentially get up into the top 15 just outside of the top 10 and grab a quarterback like, let's say, a Will Levis falls that would make a lot of sense for the New Orleans Saints to go and, and, and go after a guy if they like him you know, that much. 
Yeah, Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints with us. Uh, Sean Sean Payton has come out and said he loves him some Taysom Hill. What kind of a what, – what, what do you think is going on behind the scenes? And, and I, I got to believe Sean Payton wants Taysom Hill with him up in Denver. <laughs> I, I mean, I really, really do. What uh, What is his contract status, uh, Taysom Hill, and what, what odds do you give that move? Yeah, it would be an interesting one. I, I, You know, it would cost the Saints a little bit of – I mean, it would save the Saints a little bit of money depending upon the timing of the trade, uh, particularly if it happens after June 1st. Uh, you know, it would have to be a, a trade centered around a player more than likely because, you know, look, uh, Denver's given up a lot of draft capital over the past couple of years. You know, uh, the fifth-round pick in 2022, three first, three seconds, all that. And so, uh, you know, they've, they've moved around a lot. They don't have a ton of draft capital left. And so, uh, you know, I think if you get uh, uh, a, a late day three, sorry, late day two, early day three selection and a player or something, you know, like that, that, uh, you know, as a trade package that the Saints like and feel that there is value, I think that that's something that could, could potentially happen. And look, I, I know that, you know, in a lot of games last year, and really, a lot of games of the, of the recent past, Jason Hill has been the best player on the field sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, is how much longer is that going to go on for your 32-year-old uh, you know, offensive weapon, right? Your 32-year-old multifaceted you know, offensive guy. Uh, you know, you're, you're probably better off getting a, out a year ahead on that as opposed to being a year mm-hmm. late on that. So I think if, if Denver comes calling and the, the, the package is right and the value is there, that's not a move that I would be surprised to see the New Orleans Saints make as long as they can make the, uh, the, the, you know, the money side of it all work. Yeah, A lot of people would say, let's package Taysom Hill and Pete Carmichael Jr. and send them both to Denver. That's what they would say. Yeah, there's a lot of folks that aren't very happy with that, uh, that offensive coordinator position and uh, would love to see a change there. But it looks like the Saints are going to try to make that change without actually changing the personnel. But we'll see how it yeah. goes. They have to prove now that they're making the right decision there. If they can't get a quarterback of their liking in the draft, um, who do they pursue out of uh, free agency? Yeah, well, you'll have to do the free agency pursuit first. And so uh, I think, you know, being in on Derek Carr, potentially looking at instead of packaging those two early picks to move up, maybe you try to move a a third and a fourth or something like that for a Derek Carr who publicly tweeted his goodbyes to the city of Las Vegas and his thank yous to Oakland and all those things. And so, uh, you know, that drops his value a bit because you know he's going to be on the move one way or another. And so, you know, you either go for him in the trade market or you wait for him to turn into a free agent and go to go for him uh, in free agency. Uh, so I could see that being a part of the pursuit. I could see the Saints potentially pursuing Jimmy Garoppolo uh, as well in free agency. And if they're not able to land any of those kind of top guys, then don't be surprised to see, you know, Andy Dalton back in New Orleans or uh, Teddy Bridgewater back in New Orleans and see them kind of reunite with somebody that you know knows the system and can come in and help to be that bridge quarterback for the young guy that they go after in the draft. All right, so in summation, Locked On Saints is Ross Jackson gives Mickey Loomis what grade on the Denver-Sean Payton swap? Yeah, that's an A for me. I mean, you turned an asset that was not a part of your team any longer into a first-round pick and a potential difference maker for your franchise or a piece that turns into a potential difference maker for your franchise. And that's what the New Orleans Saints needed. And the fact that he was able to do that and uh, also advance a third-round pick for next year in a situation where he didn't have any leverage at all, uh, that's, that's, really, that's a really solid move. So I, I give it an A because he was able to turn that into a first-round selection. 
It's been too long. Ross, can't thank you enough, man. You 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 cleared some of the 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 fog around this thing and and we'll see how the Saints uh scouting staff deals and uh what the Saints can do cuz boy they need some help to to get back into yep. the swing of things. So so we shall see. Thank you, my friend. Um God bless Always. you and we'll talk again. Back at you, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me on. Take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints. We'll shift gears from the NFL to college hoops, LSU in Mizzou. John Brady will join us from Columbia after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. The premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By Cajun Chef, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef's hot sauce. By DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger you've ever tasted. And by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We shift our focus away from Tom Brady and the NFL and Sean Payton down to college basketball. Last night in the SEC, Mississippi State had a 15-point win at South Carolina. Arkansas with a huge win at home, beating Texas A&M 81-70. And after inexplicably crazy losing badly to Oklahoma, Poor Vanderbilt exacted the revenge from Alabama as the Crimson Tide beat Vandy 101 to 44. My goodness gracious. You play long enough, you're going to get one of those every now and then. Tonight, LSU is at Missouri, which is where we head to now. Columbia, where ex LSU Tiger coach and uh, SEC legend and the color analyst on the LSU Sports Radio Network, John Brady, kind enough to join us. Good afternoon, John. How's, how's life in Columbia? Well, I've got a confession to make. Uh, I'm, I'm in New Orleans because uh, I had to. Mike Girolando, uh, who yep. worked for me and was a uh, the basketball coach at Loyola, a dear friend Knowing of mine. Very his, well. his father, his father passed yeah. away, and I went to his funeral yesterday. Okay. Uh, the team flew out at three o'clock, and and so I was in New Orleans at the funeral till two, and I couldn't make the plane, so I had a flight this morning at six twenty. To go to Dallas to go to Columbia and meet the team, uh, but Dallas as you know, the, the the weather in Dallas they they canceled twelve hundred flights. All American Airlines flights got canceled, and so you're going to hear Kent Lowe tonight uh, doing the 
being the color analyst. Oh, <laughs> so you just got Wally pipped. Make you, you just got Wally pipped. I can hear it. I can see it. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I may lose my job. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Kent Lou Gehrig Lowe is in for John <laughs> Oh, gee whiz. I sent All right. text, um, Jordy. I sent, it, I, I, I sent Kent a text. I said, Kent, I know you got big shoes to fill tonight, and and uh, I know there's a lot of pressure on you to do well. Just be yourself, take a deep breath, and relax, and it'll be okay. It'll be a-okay. Missouri's <laughs> one of those teams, man. They're um, they're better than I think a lot of people expected. They proved that by beating uh, 12th-ranked Iowa State in the uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge. Man, they've got mm-hmm. some athletes, and get, they get up and down the floor, John. Well, I, I think they're, they're – they're probably the surprise team in the league outside of possibly Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then offensively, Missouri is really good. Uh, when I've, I've done some reading on those guys and they, they score baskets, particularly at home, they shoot the ball really well at home. Yeah. So that's going to be a challenge for LSU to always with our team now is, can we score enough points to beat a team who can put 70 and 75 on the board. We haven't proven in the last, mm-hmm. you know, eight or so games that we were able, we, we, we can do that. So uh, we, we've got to get the game in the 60s uh, to have a chance to win at Missouri because they're a team that at home averages about 77 points a game. Huh. Yeah. That's going to be tough. Um, when, when you're mired in a losing streak like this, I don't. You've probably never been involved in a streak like this. I, as a player, I was never involved in anything like this, so I have nothing to base it on or or to if asked my opinion. What do you do, uh, man? That's that's tough. Uh, but everybody always has an opinion when you're losing. Man, they ought to do this or they ought to do that. Um, easier said <laughs> than done. What do you see out of this team? A, a very disappointing loss at home against Texas Tech. What are you seeing about this club now? Well, the, the, the thing I see is is what I thought the first of the year, that we, we where do we score it from? If yeah. we don't have yeah. a couple of players score it, where do we go? We have no... We have no imagination. We're very limited in, in what we can do off the bench in terms of scoring the ball. Uh so, therefore, if that is the case, the, the only way in college basketball to control a game now or have the opportunity to keep the score workable is to not shoot it. Uh, because if there's more shots that go, Jordy, there's more opportunities for the other team to get the ball and shoot it right. as well. So if you can't right. score it, then I, my, my suggestion is don't shoot it. Yeah. And if the game is ugly, the game is ugly. Yeah. But at least yeah. you can possibly keep it workable to the six or seven minute mark. And to that point, who knows what might happen in the last six, seven minutes of a game? Yeah, it's different. Back when you know when when I was playing, no shot clock. You teams that we could score the ball a lot, so teams would get out there and hold the ball against us and uh, try to right. shorten the game. But with the shot clock now, you can't do it. So, so. When you say don't shoot the ball, explain to the people. What, what are you exactly – are you literally saying just hold the ball and don't shoot it? Uh, yeah, unless I have a layup. I mean, run offense, move move right. personnel, get, them, get, get the ball going side to side, have defenders closing out and, and changing out and do, do that. But unless you have something wide open or at the rim, I wouldn't shoot it to 10 seconds because the less yeah. possessions favors the team that has the most difficult – 
time I'm scoring the ball. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think it's a possession game then. The more possessions, it favors the team with the better players because they're able to get up down the floor and create some things. And so – uh, and then what's imperative about that, if LSU's had a problem with, is that they have a hard time doing that because they don't take care of the ball as well, and they yeah. turn it over that leads to yeah. other teams' easy baskets. So that's the dilemma we have. If you're going to not shoot it, you've got to take care of it. Right. Uh, and we've had a problem taking care of the ball from time to time. Yeah, I'm with you. As a coach, do you have to have a sit-down heart-to-heart? Like, look, uh, dude. And you're shooting 15% from, from behind the arc. I don't want you shooting the ball behind the arc anymore. I don't, I don't do it or I'm going to take you out. Do you have those kind of conversations? Yeah, I think Coach McMahon has had those conversations with each individual player, and I think that's important. You know, you can challenge your team to a point, but then if they don't respond to that, you can't trade them. You can't do something different right. this year. What you have is what you have. So you have to yeah. find an avenue. You have to find a path to keep them playing. And I think at this particular stage, having lost eight in a row, uh, I think individual meetings and encouragement and and letting them see themselves and telling them what they can do better is the best approach now as opposed to taking them in the gym and and, and beating them up and and doing that sort of thing. Because eventually, if they lose their spirit and they lose the hope of having a chance to win, then you've got a real problem. Yeah, John Brady with us, um, replaced by Kent Lowe tonight on the call of, of the game between <laughs> LSU and Missouri. John's back in New Orleans. I'm sure you're going to have a great meal. We'll listen in and 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 uh, be pulling for the Tigers for sure. Um, no rim protectors, so defense is limited. It's just one of those. It's just one of those years. And look, people have to understand, and they got to give this coach some time to do what he has to do. But you know how people are. Um, time? What? No. What have you done for me now? Not lately. What have you done for me now? Well, the the, the flip of that is contractually, uh, I think he's in for seven years. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know. You know, so I think you just need to, from a contractual standpoint, everybody needs to just calm down and settle yeah. down because, well, you know, it's just what it is right now. Right. And, and hopefully and anticipating uh, a good portal year and, 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 and hitting in the portal, bring in mm-hmm. two or three freshmen, get six or seven or so out of the portal, and, and you know, you'll have probably eight or nine new players next year. But, it, right. it, it, but, but with the way the team is now, that could be a good thing provided yes. you hit in the portal and, yes. and you hit the right players to change this thing, and hopefully you can change it within a year. I'm with you, John Brady. Um, how do you, you know you, you coach long enough? You're going to have how do you, how do you explain Alabama getting run over by Oklahoma, and then poor Vanderbilt was next up, and you knew that was going to happen. Fifty-seven. Wow. Well, here's here's my approach to Alabama, and I shared this with Will Wade last year, and this is how I feel about them now. You've got to take Alabama off the three-point line. Uh, Oklahoma had success because they were three for 21 from the three. Mississippi State almost beat them at Tuscaloosa because they were four for 19 from the three. Mm-hmm. Last night, they're 19 for 40 from the three. So <laughs> make Alabama drive it. Make them beat you at the rim. Make them throw it yeah. inside. But crowd them on the three-point line and just play almost skin up, 
no help, and if they drive you, so be it. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather them hit a bunch of twos than hit nineteen threes. You can't beat yep. nineteen threes, so yep. you got to push yep. Alabama off the line because that's their philosophy, and they're going to keep trying to shoot it. If you guard them well, they're going to keep shooting it. So push them off the three, make them drive the ball, limit their three point baskets. Then you may have an opportunity to beat them. Yeah. That, that's why March Madness is March Madness. You never know what you're going to get from one day to the next, and that's what sets it apart from any other sport that's out there, um, without question, without doubt. I'm, I'm curious. Let's have some fun because it's so fun talking about a team mired in an eight-game losing streak. They, they, I said this from day one. For them to win, they've got to shoot the ball exceptionally well. If they do that, mm-hmm. they can beat people. If they don't, they've got no shot because, look, the, the talent in the SEC is too good. And it's not a knock against OVC players, but they're OVC players for a reason. You know what I mean? I, I agree. And, you know, the, the, I agree with you on our field goal stat. You know, we don't turn people over and create easy baskets. We don't get to the free throw line a, a bunch of times. We're not a great offensive rebounding team. So if we lose the field goal stat, we can't make up points anywhere else right. because we don't do those other three categories you know, really well. We do them okay. So we've got to shoot the ball 45% from the field, hold the opponent to under 45 for us to have a chance. Now, 45 has been a stretch for us from the floor lately. Uh, We haven't hit that number, but maybe once in the last seven games. So, you know, the the field goal stat for this team, because we're, we're, we're short in other areas of the free throw line, turning them over, offensive rebounding, we we almost have to win the field goal stat to win the game. No question. LSU um, 0-4 on the road this season heading to Missouri. All right, let's have some fun. Um, You've coached some great teams. You had some great players at LSU. Uh, So without hurting anybody else's feelings, if you don't mind, if you want to play this game with me, let's go with who's the point guard of choice that you coached? Wow. Uh, You know, maybe uh, Torres Bright. Started four okay. years for me at the point from Slidell. Yeah. But, you know, even on the Final Four team, we didn't really have a true point. Errol Mitchell played the point, and Garrett Garrett Temple played the point. Yeah. They were yeah. both combo point guards on that particular team in 06. But in the 2000 team with Stromile and Jabari, we the, the four-year starter for me at the point, uh, probably the best one that I coached at LSU was Torres Bright. All right, the guy you want the ball in the hands, your shooting guard, when the game's on the line, you need a bucket. Who was the best? Who was your shooting guard on your all John Brady team at LSU? Well, I, I love Antonio Hudson, and I, I, you know, he, he hit some big baskets for us, but obviously uh, the St. Martinville silent assassin, the assassin Daryl Mitchell, was probably <laughs> the most clutch shooter from the perimeter. Uh, that I had in my time at LSU. Daryl Mitchell was unbelievable. Horace Bright, Daryl Mitchell in the backcourt. That's not too bad. Boy, you had some big ones. <laughs> you had some big – I don't know how you're going to pick it. Give me your front line. I don't need a center. I just need three front line players. Uh, whatever you whatever you think is going to be the best to make help you win a championship out of all the great ones you coached, give me three of them. Mm. Well, Strohmeyer's got to be one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got to go Brandon Bass. Uh, you know, he, they, they, both of those guys were MVPs of the SEC. And then, yeah. then you then you got Glenn Davis, then you got Tyrus Thomas. 
Uh, Glenn was MVP of the SEC, too. So all three of those, you know, Strohmeyer, Brandon Bass, and Glenn Davis, they were all three SEC most valuable players uh, in their last year to play at LSU. So based on that, uh, and then Tyrus Thomas is close in there as well. Jabari Smith's in there. I mean, you know, we had some really nice forwards uh, come through when I was there. But but I'd say Glenn and and, 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 and – you know, and Strohmile and Brandon Bass would probably go with Daryl Mitchell and, you know, in that Torres regard, Bryant. and Torres Bride. That'd be a pretty good five to throw out yeah, there. Yeah, and I'll put, Stro- I'll put um, uh, as the sixth man, Tyrus Thomas. That ain't a bad click. That's not a bad click. John, <laughs> um, I'm glad you didn't try to fly into Dallas, man. Thanks for the time. Uh, enjoy your night off. Watch out for that Kent Lowe now. He's sneaky. Watch out. <laughs> He go. He may. He may push me out here. I may. I may come up there Saturday for the Alabama game and have a pink slip. I got. I got a seat right next to me, man. John, take care, buddy. Thank you. Okay, Jordy. All right, man. All right. All right. We'll take a quick timeout. Back with more after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can now use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, and everywhere you go. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Trains and automobiles, that's that's the way you heard John Brady talking about Dallas. Uh, Per the New Orleans Pelicans, the Pels are staying in Denver tonight because they're unable to make it to Dallas for tomorrow's game. The plan is for the team to fly into Dallas tomorrow morning, play the game, then head back home to New Orleans. I guess welcome to uh, the weather. Welcome to the way it goes. Um, Are you happy? with the compensation package for Sean Payton. Denver's 2023 first-round pick, next year's second-round pick for Sean Payton and the Saints' 2024 third-round pick. Some are, some aren't. Um, We'll just have to wait and see um, what happens. We'll have to wait and see what happens with the Pelicans. Do they make a deal by the trade deadline? Uh, I think they need to. I think they're missing something. Um, I really do. I think they can cut a deal with somebody and get a get a – a serviceable player that can come in and and help you. Um, we'll see. They got some. They got some dead weight on that team, um, and they got to figure out a way to get better because the time has come. The time has come. All quiet on the front when it comes to LSU football recruiting. Um, they got all their work done earlier in December, and. Um, 
they're setting their sights on 2024. We're setting our sights on our number two. Uh, Chris Dunnels will join us. We'll talk more about uh, the Saints. We'll talk more about uh, Tom Brady. Um, I thought there was a chance that he might want to go to San Francisco to play. But I believe, I really believe he saw his performance this past season and he just kind of went, you know what? My, my time has come. I am not the same player I was. Try as I might, I'm just not. And I'm a little gun shy. I don't want to get hit. And it was quite obvious down the stretch of that season. He just, whoo, he shied away from it. And that's not good. That's not good for a quarterback. Heck, he, and he can do whatever he wants. 23 years. And I read the numbers. Seven Super Bowls he won. But he took his team to 10, 14 conference championship games. He won 10. He's got all the passing yardage marks. He's got the touchdown marks. He's the, you know, he's the nobody. I really I don't believe anybody will ever get to seven Super Bowl wins again. I think a guy like Pat Mahomes can get to four. I do. I think a, a Joe Burrow who's, you know, he's been to one, didn't get it. Almost went to a second one, didn't get it. It's hard. It is hard to get there. And when you get there, it's even harder to win. So I don't think there'll ever be another Tom Brady. That's one of those rarities, perfect player, along with the perfect coach at the perfect time in the perfect division because there was nobody in that division of theirs that ever challenged the Patriots. So they always had home field advantage and there were less teams in the playoffs. So you didn't have to play as many playoff games. So everything was the perfect storm for Tom Brady, Bill Pelichick and the new England Patriots. Yes. He came to Tampa Bay and he got one there and he went there for a reason because they were loaded. Now, now they're not. And now he's not the same kind of player. Father time, Always wins out. Hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is next. Please stay with us. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this um, Women in Sports Day. God bless them. That's awesome. Wednesday, February 1st, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair back in the game studios on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, you can spot us on your television centers. We're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. You know, when I sit back and think about that, that's a lot of places to see us, hear us. It's kind of scary. That's why I get great guests like uh, the, the the guy who's a, a father, a husband, an attorney, a writer. He does it all. And he's going to talk to us about some NFL talk, the Saints uh, and everything else. Christopher Dunnels. Chris, good afternoon, my friend. Welcome to the show. And I appreciate it. How are you? I'm good. I'm living life. How about you? 
living life. All right, good. Are you happy with what the Saints got from Denver for Sean Payton? Well, let's be honest. I think most Saints fans were hoping for the world, right? They'd heard about the John Gruden trade where you got two first-round picks in exchange for a future Hall of Fame coach. So they were thinking, okay, maybe we're going to get the same thing for Sean Payton. But most people who were really kind of clued in and aware of what was going on knew that two first-round picks wasn't going to be a thing. And if you could get at least one first-round pick, that should be considered a win. That's what happened here. The Saints are back in the first round, albeit late in the first round. Uh, But it should definitely be considered a win, so I'm happy with it. And let me also add, too, I'm most happy that the saga is over. There's closure now. Everyone, the, the coach on Peyton, the team, and the fans can now all hopefully move on. Yeah, my theory of the Saints tanking next year and getting the number one pick and getting that uh, Caleb Williams out of USC and bringing Sean Payton back, that's out the window now, Chris. It's done. So my my theory is history, although I still like the tanking part and getting a quarterback. But um, with that pick late in the first round, um, do, do the Saints have – uh, enough to they got to get a quarterback right they got to get a quarterback so do you see them going free agency do you see them packaging some picks the 29th overall maybe the 40th overall to try to move up in the draft where do you think the saints are thinking so i think that first and foremost they're going to explore some options for different veteran quarterbacks that might be available remember dennis allen love him or hate him as the current head coach of the new orleans saints his previous time as a head coach came with the then Oakland Raiders that drafted a quarterback named Derek Carr, who has now expressed a desire to get out of the what is now Las Vegas Raiders. So reuniting Carr with the quarter or with the coach who drafted him seems like an obvious fit. So I think the Saints are definitely going to make a play for Derek Carr. Uh, if there are other quarterbacks on the market, remember even last year with Dennis Allen at the helm, they were supposedly in on Russell Wilson. They made a lot of efforts to try to get Deshaun Watson before he was ultimately traded to the Browns. So I would foresee similar movement, uh, whether it's for Carr, if Aaron Rodgers were to potentially become available. I think they would definitely look that route. Free agency, I think they'll look at players like Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, formerly from the 49ers. So I think they're going to explore all of those options and then if they don't hit anything, or and or if they only kind of sign a stopgap player, they could definitely look to either this draft or next draft to find that quarterback of the future. Derek Carr, how much of an upgrade is he? Because they look kind of similar other than the color of their hair, but it's uh, of what an Andy Dalton is. How much better is he? So it, it depends on if you view this as an insult or praise for what I'm going to say. Okay. But I compare Derek Carr to Kirk Cousins. I think they're kind of on the same tier. Okay. Uh, and to me, I have that a tier above Andy Dalton. So I think it would definitely be an upgrade. It's not going to be a superstar player, but it's definitely an upgrade. It's a player who might win you some games. Andy Dalton was the type who, if he played well, ideally he wouldn't lose you any. Derek right. Carr is at least good enough to put some drives together and possibly win you a game. Is he... Tom Brady, is he the next Drew Brees? No. But is he better than what they had this year? Absolutely. Hmm. Um, With Sean Payton now in Denver, 
Uh, how much of a – what kind of power does he have as far as coaches are concerned? And I know he's got some favorite players on the Saints that he may want to try and deal to get, a.k.a. Uh, a Taysom Hill. Um, how much do you think that comes into play here uh, before next season begins? I think he definitely explores it. So Sean Payton uh, was really close friends with Pete Carmichael, the current yeah. offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. So it's possible – that Sean tries to lure Pete into Denver. Uh, he's previously said this past year, Sean Payton did, that he would love to have Taysom Hill on any team that he you know, coaches in the future. Uh, Taysom Hill out of BYU. I could see a lot of uh, connections there for Taysom wanting to potentially go closer to his home mm-hmm. uh, and be in Denver. So I could, I could see it. You can't trade players in a trade for a coach. So it's not like you could package right. – Taysom Hill and Sean Payton together to then also try to get a player back. But Mm -hmm. the Broncos definitely have other players and or picks that if the price is right and Mickey Loomis, Saints general manager, wants to pull the trigger on, maybe a deal gets done and Taysom Hill or other coordinators uh, leave shop and go follow Coach Payton to Denver. Christopher Donald's with us. Canal Street Chronicles uh, used to be, and now he's just doing a whole bunch of other things. The Saints have seven draft picks in 2023, including that first pick, number 29 overall. The Senior Bowl is taking place right now. Got a lot of Saints. Co- well, all the Saints coaches are out there. They're looking and scouring around for talent. We know the Saints need a quarterback. No ifs and buts about that. What else does this team need? So I think uh, in addition to quarterback, which is – and mm-hmm. a tier by itself as far as right. team needs. Uh, the two obvious things that you saw that happen this year would be at the defensive tackle position, the defensive interior, and arguably maybe the rest of the defensive line, depending on what players they might lose in free agency or be forced to cut. If they lose Marcus Davenport in free agency, maybe defensive end becomes a priority too, but definitely defensive tackle. And believe it or not, I have running back pretty high as a priority as well. Remember, Alvin Kamara is likely facing a suspension at some point in 2023 since it never happened this past season. For You know, you can be mad if you want, but he's not a a young spring chicken anymore. So making sure you get a future running back of the future behind Kamara might not be a bad idea. I I stand by and think defensive tackle, defensive end is high. You wouldn't pick this with the 29th pick, but tight end would also be something the Saints could consider in the first half of the draft. The Saints, unfortunately, just have more needs and more holes than they have assets to fill them right now. So I don't think they can really go wrong. As long as they get someone good, they can probably find a place for them on this team. Is this team got, got – I mean, they're getting up there, but does this team have a, a roster that with, with a, a, a key addition, a quarterback and a, and a key addition here and there, can, can compete and be a playoff team? Well, so those are two separate questions, right? Can the team's roster be good? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. You you get the right quarterback in here and a couple other complimentary pieces, and I think so. But the important context is the NFC South is hot garbage, my friend. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Tom Brady has now formally reannounced his retirement, so the entire NFC South will be in the market for a quarterback. Uh, And we've seen how bad the division was this past year. So. If other teams try to go the developmental route and draft the quarterback, and the Saints instead opt for a veteran, even one who might not be as exciting, someone like Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo, uh-huh. 
then that window to win might be a little earlier for the Saints, not necessarily because of the quality of the roster, but because of the quality of the roster of the teams in the division with them. Good point. Very good point. Are you a fan of Hendon Hooker at Tennessee? So I was a huge fan before he got injured. Uh, Right now it seems like he's going to be in a a second, third-round draft pick in part because of that injury and his age. He's 25 years old, so he's older than Jalen Hurts, who's playing in the Super Bowl right now. Uh, But I think that if you pick him – 40th overall with the Saints second round pick or later, mm-hmm. he would be a great option to pair with someone, whether it's a Derek Carr, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it's, uh, heaven forbid, re-signing someone like Andy Dalton. Uh, drafting a quarterback like Hooker would be a good option to let him learn for a year and then start pushing to be the starter in 2024. It would be a mutiny if if the Saints announced that Andy Dalton was their starting quarterback for 2023. There'd be a mutiny. Chris, wouldn't there? Maybe. It depends on what they've, uh, on the record, tried to do on the front end. If, if they've tried and reports are that they made plays for players like Rodgers, they had big money out there, made a trade offer for Derek Carr, they threw money at Jimmy Garoppolo, and all these other players just chose to go elsewhere, and you had to circle back to the known commodity of Andy Dalton, I don't think that's terrible. If they okay. sign or re-sign Andy Dalton as the first move of free agency, then, yeah, I think we're going to be rioting down bourbon. <laughs> oh, Chris, how's, how's the city when the throws of Mardi Gras and all? How, how's everything going over there? Uh, gearing up for prime time. Right now it's king cake season, so getting ready nice. for uh, a couple weeks of crazy pretty soon. <laughs> Man, stay tuned. I'm with you. All right, be careful of those uh, of those potholes and stuff. But I, I love the city. I absolutely love it. All right, um, need a quarterback? Give me give me an educated guess. We're not going to hold you to it. Do the Saints package a deal and move up in the draft and get a rookie? Do they get a Derek Carr? Who do, who do you think the Saints end up getting? Who's their quarterback next year? Uh, my guess right now is Derek Carr. That that okay. is firmly what I believe. I think the the pair just seems so obvious considering Derek Carr wants out of Vegas. Yeah. No one will want him more than the coach who convinced the organization to draft him, and that's Dennis Allen. So Dennis Allen didn't want Jameis necessarily. He wanted his guy, and his very first his guy was Derek Carr. So that just yeah. seems too obvious. If another team like the Jets or someone just happens to throw more money at Carr, then so be it. But I think right now – that's my odds-on favorite to be the coach or to be the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints in 2023. You threw that nugget out there. I was not aware that Dennis Allen drafted him to Oakland. I was not aware, but you have shown the light. That's why you're the best, Chris. Thank you so much, man. I really do appreciate it. Have a great Mardi Gras season. All right. Absolutely. You too, Jordy. Uh, you take care. Chris Dunnels with Canal Street Chronicles and other things. Uh, did not know that. That makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Uh, Mike Huguenin, hump day with Huguenin after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. So do you need some help with taking your lady out for Valentine's Day? Well, the help you need can be found 
right inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville, a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes to help you with Valentine's Day by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, my favorite day of the week, my favorite guest of the week, Michael Huguenin. We've been doing this a long time, and I greatly appreciate it. How you been, my friend? Um... Interesting uh, AFC and NFC title games, and you know, getting closer and closer to March, which is the there's the two weekends in March are the best two weekends of the entire year. I, I guess. For, and look, I'm a basketball fan. I love all the sports. I really do. I love basketball, obviously, because I played it. But for some reason, this year it's taken me long. I guess because LSU's not having a good year. They're really, they're really kind of bad right now. That um, I really haven't gotten the fever of college basketball yet. Um, it, do you sense that again, or is this? Because there's really no. Great, 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 great team. There's a lot of really good teams, but I don't know. What's your feeling about the college hoop season so far? Yeah, I actually think it's been a little bit more interesting because there is no – I mean, I don't think you can look at any team in the nation and go, that's that's a team that for sure is going to be in the Final Four. Right. I think it makes it more interesting. And I get the fact, you know, I'm a University of Florida alum. Florida is not very good, but they are better yeah. than LSU. And I think – Fandom with college basketball does uh, impact your enjoyment a little bit more than fandom in college football because I think there's you know there's only 12 college football games so even if your team's bad I think that people are still focused college basketball they they're playing 30 to 33 games it's spread out over a longer period of time right, but I right. find this season fascinating because I mean look, Alabama was playing lights out basketball. They got destroyed by a mediocre Oklahoma team. And, you know, makes you sort of step back and go, oh, my God, is Alabama really that bad? Of course Alabama's really not that bad. And and one bad game in basketball doesn't mean anything. But I think it did expose some warts that that I was not sure was there for the Tide. It doesn't mean anything until you get in the tournament, and that's what makes the tournament so great. You have one bad game, anybody can beat you, and that's what makes it great. I agree, and I think that it's going to be more that way when college football expands to a 12-team playoff as well. I think, obviously, there's fewer games in a college football playoff, so that lessens the, the, uh, I think, the odds that you play a complete stinker but there is going to be a little bit more 
yeah, on the line when when the playoff expands to twelve. But yeah, college, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, this year I think you can make a case that there's going to be teams seated eleventh. And there's going to be a team seated third, and you're like, you know something? I think the 11th seed is better than the three seed. So yeah. it's going to be, wow. uh, I think, a phenomenal basketball tournament. Purdue, they've got the unstoppable force and that giant in the middle. Um, I like Coach uh, Painter. Um, what do you think of Purdue? They're the number one ranked team. They're 21 and one. Uh, they're pretty darn good. Yeah, Edie is sort of a force of nature, man. I mean, he looks, he's made tremendous strides, and it sort of makes you wonder if he sublimated his game a little bit last year uh, because they had, you know, better players, supposedly. Mm -hmm. But that that is a really good team. They are unstoppable at times because Edie, if you don't double-team Edie, he scores on you. If you try to double him with a you know another with a smaller guy dropping down, he dumps it to a three point shooter, and they got some good ones on the perimeter. If you try to double him with another big man, they got some other big guys who can score. So they are a defensive matchup nightmare. Um, defensively, they're they're not. I don't think they're elite, but again, it's hard to score in the paint when the dude's yeah. seven foot four standing there. That's, so that's Purdue like... does look really good. Um, Tennessee plays great defense. Um, Houston plays really good on both ends, frankly, but I still wonder about the competition they faced. Um, Alabama, again, until last Saturday, I would have said they're playing as well as anybody, but they, they looked horrendous against Oklahoma, which really isn't very good. So there's a lot of intriguing storylines. I mean, you look at what Texas is doing, despite the fact that their coach was fired. And right. they, you know, they, they had that, you know, maybe three or four-game four game lull around that time. But they lead the Big 12, and the Big 12 is the best league in college basketball. So, um, yeah, and UCLA, um, I think the Hawkeyes kid has been there since Gene Bartow was there, for yes. God's sake. So, thank you. You know, they have a nice group of experienced dudes and a, a, a nice young freshman. So, there, there's a lot of really good, good teams out there. And yet, when you think of college basketball, you always think of Tobacco Road, and neither North Carolina nor Duke are in the top 25. Um they're going to try and promote this battle, you know, the greatest rivalry in college basketball with, with so much history to it, but they just aren't the same, are they? No, and North Carolina, you know, they, they, they made that sort of miraculous one, miraculous run to yeah. the title game last year, and they, you know, returned a bunch of key players. Um, Armando Bacot is really, really good, and yet yeah. for whatever reason, North Carolina never really has caught fire this year. Now, last year they caught fire in March and made that phenomenal run. Duke, I think, misses Krzyzewski to an extent, but some of their freshmen aren't playing as well as expected. They've had some injury issues, and that is still a that is the best college basketball rivalry. But um, you're right, this Saturday's game... Um, if these teams were as good as they were supposed to be, it'd be two top ten teams playing. Right. Uh, but instead, it's two teams that aren't even in the ACC lead, and like you said, aren't even in the top 25. So that does remove some of the luster for those of us outside that area. But trust me, um, I spent part of my childhood in Raleigh. I still yeah. got 
some family folks in North Carolina. That's still a gigantic, gigantic matchup up there. Mike Hugan and On3.com, I always wonder, okay? And I don't know Mike Krzyzewski from A Man of the Moon. I, I certainly admire the job he did as a coach. and uh, But I always wonder when a coach – that's leaving, hires his replacement. Sometimes these coaches have egos, and sometimes they, they hire somebody that they go, I know deep down in the back of my mind, he's not going to win, and they're going to they're gonna vault me even higher on the pedestal than I was. You know, I hate to sound that way, but I've seen it many, many times. We had a great baseball coach at LSU. He got to hire the next coach. He was gone in a couple of years. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I don't think that's the case with Shire. I think Shire, it, it's a tough first job. You're replacing one of yeah. the greatest coaches in college basketball, in college sports history. Um, yeah. Your best player left, Bancaro, who was the number one pick in the NBA draft and is having a really good rookie season with the Orlando Magic. And I think the injury problems have probably cost Duke one or two wins. So, you know, I, I think they could be 17 and five instead of 15 and seven easily, and no one's throwing any stones at Shire. I think Shire, again, he's a young guy. I think he is going to be a really good coach. I think Duke's going to continue to recruit well. Um, but it is, I think also, again, that was a team that went to the Final Four, lost in the semifinal, and lost so many key players. If just one of those guys had come back, that went pro, um, heck, maybe Duke's 20 and 2. So hmm. uh, I think Shire's going to be fine. Okay. Um, but again, I'll, I'm look, I'll, I'll watch North Carolina Duke just because there is a sure. monster level of hatred there. Um, yeah. it, it, but it is, it's, it, it would be a more enjoyable game if, if both were in the top 10 because it would be much more on the line. I'm with you, Mike Hugan and On3.com. On Monday, 53 years ago, Pete Maravich broke the all-time college basketball scoring mark held by Oscar Robertson. Is that the unattainable record? I mean, the guy was 44 points a game, no shot clock, no three-point line. Uh, he played three years. Now, if you if you score 40 points a game in a season, you're not staying for another no, year. No, that's the thing. But I guess the Antoine Davis kid uh, at – um, Detroit, he, he's, he's a good ball player. Um, granted, it's a, in a lesser league, um, and there is the three-point shot, and he's a fifth-year player. And he even said, um, it's going to be hard for me to get there, but hey, I'll be second behind the pistol. And yeah. obviously, because of his dad, I think he has a much greater appreciation for college basketball history than a lot of the current players do. Um, mm -hmm. I bet you you can. I bet you half the college players don't know who Maravich was, which yeah. is which is sad. But sad. you know, because his dad has been a longtime college basketball coach, I think he has told his son, you know, you're you're bumping up against legitimate all time greatness here. Um, <laughs> but you're right. What would Maravich? I'd be interested. And you know, um, that there's somebody out there who could do this. Go look at all the yep. old. Pete Maravich game tape and Dale figure Brown out it. how many points he would have scored with a three-point basket. Because I Dale bet you he would Dale have had, Brown. what, 600 more points? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Dale, even more than Dale that. Dale Brown actually did it, Mike. Dale Brown oh. did it. Said he would have averaged around 52 points a game. Okay. 52! That's Yeah, which is – but you're right. I mean, you average 52 points a game as a college freshman now, you, you ain't – <laughs> you ain't going to be a college sophomore. So, um, 
I, 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 I would be. I'm, I'm going to look that up then because that's fascinating to me. Because again, the three point basket, um, the, the shot clock. If I remember correctly, there were teams that tried to slow it down against LSU back then. Yeah. Um, but LSU didn't really play very good defense anyway, so it may, may not have mattered. But, yeah, that's, that's, that would have been a that, – I'm going to look that up because that's fascinating. I think, there's some, I think there's some unattainable. I don't think anybody's going to ever beat Cal Ripken's consecutive no. games. It's just not going to no. happen. I don't think there'll ever be another 300-game winning picture. In baseball, in baseball. right. It's never going to happen. No, because you're right. It's hard to get – it's, plus it's hard to get 30 starts in a year now. Yes. And if you so if you start thirty games a year for twenty years, that's six hundred starts. Um, that means you got to win half your starts, and that doesn't happen either. So no. um, it's it, it is, and I think there was ninety six punts in one college football game. I think it was Sitting Mary TCU, a game played Lord. in the rain, where uh, <laughs> a downpour on a swampy field because of the rain, where basically every play was a punt. So that's never going to be broken either. But Maravich's scoring record, I mean, Antoine Davis has been a big-time scorer for five years, and he's not going to break it. So that that is sort of unattainable. (laughs) I'm with you. I am with you. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk some, some college football. Guess what? The number one recruiting class in the country. Oh, they're finished. He can't coach anymore. Alabama. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. We'll be back after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Well, we're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, too, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Cajun Chef, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and gets you permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery. Man, you can't win until you start playing by dc's little capital exxon with their true soul food deli home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted and by the aesthetic medicine and anti-aging clinics of louisiana get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy every day is a chamber of commerce kind of day when you're listening to the jordy holberg show this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We continue our conversation with Mike Huguenin from on3.com. Um, Mike, today was actually the first day of the second signing period uh, for college football. Quiet along most of the fronts, but a couple of things that were interesting to me in the first day of the early signing period, people like five-star safety Peyton Bowen flipped from Notre Dame to Oregon only to flip his commitment again the following day by signing with Oklahoma. Then we had that quarterback, Jaden Rashada, who flipped from Miami to Florida, signed with the Gators, was released after that $13.5 million name, image, and likeness deal fell through, and today he signs with Arizona State. Is this the way it's going? I mean, nothing's nothing is etched in stone until the kids get their money? And I'm, not, I'm not sure. It's the, it's, with Rashada, obviously, it was an IL deal, but I'm not sure um, 
that everything is all about NIL for for all these guys. I, I think there's no question, but that there are players who NIL's the only thing they care about. In fact, I think we wrote a story in in, in December saying about thir- I think we did a survey of 85 players, 85 top guys, and I think it was 13 percent said that NIL was the number one concern for them. No, no. You know, you know, if you're a, if you're a five-star kid who grew up in Louisiana, uh, I I think you're going to LSU. If you're a five-star kid who grew up in Oklahoma, I think you're going to Oklahoma. Uh I think where where the stuff comes into play about NIL, it's the the heavily recruited states, California, Texas, Florida, I think, you know, Georgia to an extent as well. But I think that there are still some people who like, I want to go there. What kind of NIL deal can I get? Eh, that's not bad at all. I'm going there. Whereas others are like, I want to go there, but School C has the better NIL deal, so I'm going to School C. Uh, I think that category is fewer than people think. You mentioned five-star growing up in uh, Louisiana. Well, they had a five-star, but Arch Manning decided to take his skills well, right. over to Texas. <laughs> I know. Um What's what's a reasonable expectation for this kid? I mean, it's all the pressure in the world on him. They've got the incumbent starter, Quinn Ewers, back, um, a former four-star in Malik Murphy. What what What's reasonable for Arch Manning? Yeah, that's, you know, that is going to be one of the more fascinating storylines in college football for the next three years. Um, Quinn Ewers, people, you know, Quinn Ewers skipped his senior year of high school. Goes to Ohio State, doesn't do anything, hands off in two games. And then last year he had some moments where, oh, my God, now I know why he was a five-star. And then he also had some moments on this guy doesn't look like he's played football in two years, which he had not. Um, and, and Arch Manning's already on campus at Texas. In fact, he already lost his student ID card, which was a yeah. pretty sort of funny thing. You know, you would right. think, dude, you know, that's – Anybody who's been to a college campus knows don't lose that for God's sake because you can't do anything. So, though I assume Arch Manning can do what he wants in Texas, but what, what you know how he does play in spring practice will be interesting. And I'll be honest, if I'm Quinn Ewers, I'm looking over my shoulder. So yeah. maybe that adds pressure to Quinn Ewers more so than it does Arch Manning. So um, Sarkeesian's going to have to walk a fine line. And you're right, the Malik Murphy kid, I think the assumption is when spring practice is over at Texas, Malik Murphy's name shows up in the transfer portal. So yeah. um, it's, that's going to be fascinating. I mean, you, you know, his grandfather was awesome. His dad did not play quarterback, but both his uncles were awesome. So it's, there is a ton of pressure on, on Arch Manning, but I think there's actually more pressure on Quinn Ewers. Mike Hugan at On3.com. I think the the most important thing and the biggest challenge for Brian Kelly of LSU is going to happen this spring. How do you keep Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer happy and keep them both on the LSU football roster? That's the big, the conundrum. Howard uh, Walker Howard left um, to go play elsewhere. Uh, now you got two. Um, and it's hard to keep two now these days. Yeah, and it's hard to keep two guys happy because, you know, you, if you've got five excellent wide receivers, all five are playing. If you have five excellent linebackers, 
all five are playing. Same right. with corners, safeties, frankly, every other position except maybe offensive line. Though if, if you're a stud offensive lineman and, and even you're the number seven guy, you're going to play. Um, quarterback, though, that's the one position where people do have to buy their time. Now, I think in some situations some guys don't mind, hey, I know I'll be the starter next year, so this year I'm going to – I'm going to get better myself, and if there's an injury, I'll be ready to go. But you're right. That that is going to be, I think, on the mind of every single LSU fan. Does Nussmeyer stay if he gets beaten out? Does Daniels stay if for some unforeseen reason? Because I think Jaden Daniels proved a heck of a lot last year. Um, <laughs> took, took LSU to the SEC title game, um, despite having two true freshman tackles protect him. So uh, I, I think that is going to be, uh, you got to walk a fine, you know, I'm talking about Sarkeesian walking a, walk a fine line. He, he's a little different. I think Kelly, given what Nussmeyer has shown, Nussmeyer probably thinks I could go somewhere else and start. No doubt. Um, I'm not sure Arch Manning thinks that because he is a freshman, but it, it is going to be an interesting storyline to follow. Though, so again, I'm sort of, thinking that this is Jaden Daniels' job to lose, and unless he has a horrible spring, he's going to start game one against Florida State in Orlando. Brian Kelly got a political science degree from Assumption College. You worked for Gary Hart's 1984 presidential. Well, he'll be using that political background, no question. Uh, that, that, that's what I'm telling you. He knows how to play these games. So I don't know what you do on this deal, but uh, how he keeps them both um, – it's going to be fascinating to me. And also, think- you know, we were mentioning NIL before. There's nothing to stop um, backups from getting good NIL deals either. No doubt. And you don't think Garrett Nussmeyer's not making some coin. You know he is. Um, they've got to. And LSU started their own, um, like a lot, a lot of other schools, where initially in the NIL, in the NIL foray, they had about four or five guys putting up all the money. Now they've started another collective where anybody out there that's an LSU fan can contribute and say that they have a, a role to play in this thing. So uh, this NIL thing is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right, and I think people focus mostly on football and basketball, but NIL deals, I mean, the, the I forget her name, Olivia Dunn has, yep. she's doing quite well herself. Uh, right. I'm sure there's LSU baseball players who deserve and are getting NIL money. Softball players, track athletes, swimmers. NIL can benefit every single person. No and doubt. I think there's so much focus on, you know, football and basketball that, and maybe women's basketball if LSU as well, because obviously uh, Mulkey's a, a high-level coach. But it's supposed to help athletes in every sport, and by all accounts it is. And, again, the fact that Olivia Dunn, a gymnast, I believe she's – I'm trying to think. We have, a, we have something called the NIL 300. She's up, she's up she's in the up top there, right. three. Yeah. So, and there's a, a gymnast at Florida, Trinity Thomas, who's – doing quite well as well. And, and the Cavender twins who play women's basketball in Miami. Right. right. So, and that, you know, that's, and I'm sure when you played college basketball back in the seventies and eighties, you were thinking, you know, basketball and football were the, the Kings of campus, but I'm sure you ran across athletes in other sports and you're like, man, that dude or that woman is really good at her sport. And those yes. are the kind of athletes now 
that are benefiting from NIL as well. We had some track studs. I mean, Olympic yes. track and well, field Well, think about Xavier Carter just... when he ran track at, yes. at LSU because he was a guy. He was, went to high school in uh, Melbourne, Florida, close to where yeah. I live now. Uh, and yeah. I was actually working at the same newspaper or a different newspaper way back then. And Xavier Carter was extremely well-known as a high school track athlete. And that's the mm-hmm. kind of kid that you hope they benefit. You know, again, a track athlete, a swimmer, um, baseball players, golfers. I mean, it's, that's what NIL is supposed to do. Um, speaking of the guy that can run track, uh, congratulations to South Carolina. They got some Nick, Nichols Harbor. Nichols Harbor, who's, and I'll be honest, stud. The, you're right, he's a 6'6", 225-pound sprinter, yes. um, nationally ranked sprinter. Um, yes. And I never knew the South Carolina track team was that good. I, mean, that's uh, I don't why think I thought, they are. That's so, why I thought you um, had that, a chance. That was an interesting, and evidently he was, came down to South Carolina and Oregon. And Oregon obviously is a, a premier one of the premier track programs. A, a, right. a the only school probably in the nation that sells out every single track meet. Um, right. Harbor is a Washington DC kid and evidently he did feel, at least I've been told, that man, going to school across the country, that's a little bit more that I want to take on. Yeah. So yeah. he's going to Columbia, which is a coup for Shane Beamer. And yep. South Carolina already has the commitment from the top offensive lineman in the 2024 class, a South Carolina native. So um, that, that's interesting because yeah. I think there was a question as to how well Shane Beamer could recruit. Um, he's done a pretty nice job. He's also done a pretty nice job in the portal. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, who do you like in the Super Bowl, just out of curiosity? I like Kansas City, assuming Mahomes is healthy and Juju Smith-Schuster is healthy. Um, sort of amazing that Kansas City was able to win uh, this past Sunday despite having a receiving core that had a guy playing that I never even heard of. And I like to yeah. think that I'm, you know, I'm not well, extremely well versed in, in every single NFL roster, but they were running a receiver out there in the fourth quarter that I'm like who the heck is this guy? I never heard of this guy at all. <laughs> Generally, I've heard of some of the, at least I've heard of these guys. Oh, yeah, he played college ball at. But this guy You're was right. one I never heard of. Um, that, that's going to be an interesting game. And I'll be honest, I never thought that Jalen Hurts. I thought wow. he could play in the NFL for a while as a backup. Wow. I never thought he'd be an MVP candidate. Yeah. So you got to oh, give Sirianni credit. Yeah. Um, that is, both these teams have an inordinate number of high-level players. Uh, I think Mahomes is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I actually think Philadelphia, you know, Philadelphia might have a better roster top to bottom, but in Mahomes and Kelsey, I think Kansas City has Ooh. the best player at two different positions. Um, Chris Jones ain't too bad either. Um, that's nope. that's going to be a really good Super Bowl, I think. In, in about 30 seconds, uh, there's a lot of reports of, a, you know, the Saints need a quarterback. Um, Hendon Hooker is going to drop a little bit because of his injury. How do you think he equates to the NFL game? Yeah. You know, five years ago, I would have said, no, he doesn't. But I think, yeah, you think he does. Obviously, he's not a first-day pick, and I'm not sure his knee lets him be a second-day pick. But given what he showed at Tennessee, he can make a lot of throws. He throws the deep ball well. And, man, that kid is mobile and willing to take hits. 
Yep. I'd be willing to take him in the fourth round, give him a year or two to grow, and then see what I got. Mike Hugan and On3.com, you are the best. We'll talk next week, and I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate your time. Always buddy. enjoy Thank it, man. You. Thanks. All right, we'll take our final timeout here. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's another twofer deal from AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday morning, you can get a $50 voucher to Golf Connection for only $25. That's a $50 voucher. You'll get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com this Friday to get a $50 voucher to the Golf Connection for only $25. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Former LSU cornerbacks Jarek Bernard Converse, Mecky Garner will be on opposite sidelines tomorrow night when the East-West Shrine Bowl takes place in Las Vegas. Bernard Converse will wear number six for the West Squad. Garner will wear number 22 and will play for the East. Kickoff is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Will be televised on the NFL Network. The East-West Shrine Bowl dates back to 1925, the longest-running college football all-star game couple of notes back in the day 1986 gary james earned offensive mvp honors and in 1983 james Britt was named the defensive mvp in the east west shrine game so good luck to both uh, bernard converse and mecky garner tomorrow night in viva las vegas special thanks to our guest today ross jackson of locked on saints john Brady uh, with LSU basketball, Chris Dunnels, Canal Street Chronicles, and Mike Huguenin from On3.com. If today, February 1st, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Hope you have some cake, some ice cream, and a fun, fun day. Um, You share your birthday with Rhonda Rousey, who is uh, 36 years old today, wrestler, Actress, I don't know. I, I don't know if she's wrestling again. I don't know what she's doing now. But Ronda Rousey, at one point in time, was a, a very hot commodity in the sporting world for sure. Congratulations to all you girls out there, whatever age you may be, um, for participating in the world of sports in whatever sport you do. Today is your day. It's Women in Sports Day. I have two children. They both play. One basketball, one volleyball. Love every second of it. And the opportunities for them have grown as well they should to opportunities where they can continue their careers into college and get some scholarship help along the way. It is terrific. And what we saw from LSU basketball with over 15,000 fans in the stands, that's a pretty good testimony. So enjoy your day. 
Women in Sports Day. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, with his thoughts on Tom Brady retiring, where's Aaron Rodgers going, and an early look into the Super Bowl uh, will come our way tomorrow. We'll preview um, uh, the Pelicans against Dallas, if they can ever get into Dallas. We'll look back and see if LSU's on a one-game winning streak or a nine-game losing streak after their matchup tonight against Mizzou. James Mesh, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion to do. Thanks to our partners. We couldn't do without you. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.